evangelists for us found in uh, the first uh, book of Corinthians, chapter 16, verse 13. Uh, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith with love. Um, Sanjay has told us about being watchful, standing firm in the faith. But today we want to look these two words, be courageous and be strong. Um, it's a verse that challenges us to live differently in the world in which we find ourselves. The Archbishop of York, by the name of Stephen Cottrell, he uh, was attending a conference this week and I, I noticed something that he tweeted uh, just before he was attending this conference, and this is what he said, my prayer is that we can all be beacons of hope in a world that needs to hear the hope that belief in God brings and how lives can be transformed by being a follower of Jesus Christ. It was a great statement from a senior bishop in our country, and that's Really, in essence, what God wants each and every one of us to be, because the Bible is full of hope. And God calls and commissions us to be people who bring hope into a world that finds so many situations hopeless. And the Apostle Paul, in writing to the Christians in Corinth, warns them that they're going to face hostility. I don't know when, what it's like when you write a letter. How many people write letters in the How many write emails? Yeah, how many spend more time texting and WhatsApping? Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? But when you sign off the letters, you probably say best wishes, or if it's somebody you're particularly fond of, you might say lots of love, or if you're really particularly fond of this person, you might say but there's a kind of way of signing off. The Apostle Paul generally signed off his letters by saying, I'm the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with But at the end of this first letter he writes to the Christian comments, he simply says, Be watchful, be firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. In other words, don't wait. Because you are living in times where you will be attacked for your faith. And in Acts, he reminded me of said, he said, uh, watch out for Christians. Watch out for those who like vicious fools. Have you met any vicious fools this week? Probably you haven't. Not literally. But maybe you've met them online. Maybe you've been confronted or you've read things where truth has been twisted. Perhaps where righteousness and justice have been diluted. Or maybe where your faith in There are those people out there who are not obvious, but will constantly attack and try to undermine your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Think of Moses. In his letter, where he simply says, stay alert, watch out. Because your enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him. Be strong in your faith. Remember that the family of believers all over the world are the same 
So here we are reminded by Peter that we need to stand firm and stand against the devil who is to be strong in our faith. And our verse that we're carrying with us for this year reminds us to be courageous and to be strong. Now, in looking at this, I found something really interesting in the word courageous here in the book of Christians, where Paul uses it. It's the only in the New Testament, the Greek word that he uses for courageous. And the Greek word that he uses for courageous literally means alpha male. You heard of alpha males? How many of you guys feel to an alpha male? Not very confident. Well, let me tell you, according to Professor Barry Kaufman of the University of Pennsylvania, he's an alpha male. Are those at the top of the social status in terms of power? They have greater access to power, money, and weights, which they gain through physical practice, intimidation, and domination. Alphas are typically described as the real men, in contrast to the beta males, who are weak, submissive, subordinate guys, who are of low status. And only get access to mates once women decide to settle down and go searching for nice Now, let me show you a typical alpha male. Okay. How many of you are Bond fans? Okay. Bond in yes. Everything he wants. He is always the top dog. He is always the winner. He gets the best of women. He is the typical alpha male. That we are familiar with in our society. How many would aspire to the world? Well, Daniel Faye uh, is finished and they're about to appoint a new bond. And I'm going to let you into the secret place to find out who the new bond is. This is the new bond. <laughs> for his excellent artwork in uh, putting this together for me this week. I had it done on my surface two years ago, uh, and it's uh, very interesting. So, is this man an alpha male? Well, let me just go on to tell you what Dr. Corbyn says. He says, this distinction of the alpha male, which is often based on observations among other social animals, such as chimpanzees and wolves, points a very black and white picture of masculinity. Not only does it greatly simplify the multidimensionality of masculinity, but grossly underestimates what a man is capable of becoming, but it also doesn't even get at the heart of what is really attractive to women. There's some of you were But of there are a lot of great guys But what Paul is literally saying is being courageous. The um, English standard person In other words, don't be wimpish, don't be weak, be tough, be strong, don't shrink back. That's what he's telling us to be 
in terms of living out our faith for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm sure that we would all agree that we need to be We need to be strong in living for the Lord Jesus Christ. But what would help us to be strong for us? Well, let me put it on in here. And uh, if you go to the scripture, Actually, after the service, Sunday will be assigned copies of the picture. Once Daniel 17, Jonathan read to us, is perhaps the most famous story in the Bible of somebody being courageous and strong. This wonderful story of David when he fought Goliath. Now, naturally speaking, this story is a no brainer And I'm going to assume you know it fairly well, although Jonathan read the most important parts to us. Here's a young boy taking on a nine-foot giant who carried a spear that weighed 15 pounds or seven He also had a sword, and in front of him was a shield-bearer who was there to protect him. This is why it's such a no-brainer when you realize how Goliath was so protected, so well armed, that really anybody who took one was bound to lose. Now, the Israelites, as we know, battled in the Philistines, and for 40 days they took out their battles. But nobody actually engaged in any fighting. But they wheeled out this champion giant called Goliath. And instead of a whole lot of them being killed, they simply said, you give us one man from Israel who will fight our giant from the Philistines, Goliath, and whoever wins, that will solve it. If you Israelites win, then we'll be your saves, and if our giant, Goliath, wins, then you Israelites will be our saves. Let's just make it a very simple contest so that we don't have another question. Of course, Saul and the army of Israel, they cowered in fear and they went away. David was a little boy looking after the sheep, his father, and his older brothers were there in the army of Israel. And so David's father, Jesse, said, David, go take some cheese and some food to your brothers and see how they're getting on. So David turns up and he sees this giant. And one of the first things he says, how can this guy be shooting the armies of the living God? There's a kind of a holy um, and rises up within this young boy. And so, out of this amazing story, I want to bring to you five keys that will help us be men and women who are courageous and strong. Because I think there are some important lessons here. Here's the first one. Number one, you will be courageous and strong by knowing your God. David didn't just know about God. He knew him personally. And let me show you some scriptures that just tell me that this is the fact. Have a look at the Psalms. Okay, David says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress, and who therefore shall I fear? He is my God, my fortress. That's David knew who 
he was taught in the past. David also said, Lord is my shepherd. David also says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Why should I be the See, David knew his God. That made the world of difference. He didn't just know about him, he actually knew him. We know God by knowing Jesus. Jesus said, If you have seen me, you will see the Father. If you want to know what God is like, you look at Jesus. And when you come to know Jesus, you know God. That's very clear the teaching throughout the Bible. They had a relationship with God that was personal. It wasn't just an acquaintance for a couple of hours on a Sunday morning. That's how some of us live their life. If they come back on a Sunday morning and they become acquainted with God, maybe through the songs they hear, the sermon that is read, or the reading, and then they go away and God is, is not relevant or not relational to them for the rest of the week. That is not knowing God. David knew God. And you go through the scriptures and you see there are countless people who knew their God. Listen to what Daniel says. In the book of Daniel, he says, the people who know their God will be strong. We'll come to you, The people who know their God will be strong. That's the first thing. The people who know their God will be strong. And also, the psalmist David says again, those who know your name trust in you, for you, O Lord, will never abandon them who search you. So if you're to be strong faith, the first way you will be strong Personal relationship with him day by day. David knew his God, and so he came in confidence and said, Who is this judge that he should defy the armies of the living God? I am Second lesson that we learn out of this is knowing your testimony. If you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, then you have story kindness, of his love, of his forgiveness, his grace and mercy. A testimony is a personal story. It's your evidence. It's your experience. Looking at the news sheet this week, there's got a phase of this testimony. I was really staggered at this Trevor told us of an opportunity he had to pray for a doctor. How often do you get to pray for a doctor? I've had several doctors pray for me at times because um, we have a surgery that is for the Christian doctors. But it's wonderful when your doctor prays for you. But Trevor, this week, had an opportunity to pray for the doctor. The doctor had a sore shoulder. So he asked if he could pray for this day the doctor. He then prayed a simple prayer and then went on his way. The doctor told me a little bit later about this matter. 
But then in the course of conversation, she said that the pain in her shoulder had gone since the moment Trevor flowed forth. What a great testimony! Wow. So she remembered a year afterwards. Yeah. And she offered you in trouble, certainly. You see, when something like that happens, you know, it empowers you. It becomes a part of your experience of knowing God. Your experience of proving and knowing God in your life is your testimony. And David, he used his testimony to convince King Saul that he was more than capable of fighting his children. As he said, I've rescued my city from the mouth of a lion. What shall I do? No one should mess with a hungry lion because they will not share their prey. But David said, if the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaws and club it to death. What kind of lion is David? He had a bravery, he had the courage, he had the strength. And David saw Goliath as no different to a lion and a bear. And his testimony was this in verse 36 of 1717. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I will do it to the same What strength? Because he had a testimony he could draw upon. Never underestimate your testimony. Never underestimate what God does for you. You gain a testimony. Remember. So next time you're going through something, you can say, God, I want help. I want help. What do you need? Just remember building up your experience. This is building your relationship with God. And every test you come through and bring God, you come out of it with a testimony, which you can draw upon in the there was a group of people in the book of Revelation and the Bible speaks of them that they defeated him, the devil, by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. Why did those two things go together? The blood of the Lamb and the testimony. I'll tell you why. When the blood of Jesus Christ is cleansing people's sin, you are the And even though someone comes to try and accuse you, even though he comes to try and point out that your faults and failures and that you're not a very good Christian, you can simply say, I have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. I have given. That is my testimony. This group of people that spoke of in the revelation, they overcame the devil. Because the blood of Jesus Christ had cleansed them. They could testify that I am forgiven. So, we have to know our God. We have to realize we have a testimony. But the third way of being courageous and strong is to know your weapons. David was given Saul's armor, which would have been a privilege for anyone to wear, because the king always had the best armor. He didn't have a little cheap stuff from Amity or Little or anything like that. He had the best. The king always was arrayed in the best armor 
when he went to war. Saul had a bronze helmet, an open plane, and a sword. But David was dismissive of this armor that the king said to him, You put on my armor, I do not want to die. David is dismissive of it. He simply replies to Saul, he says, I cannot get in these for I'm not used to them. In other words, he didn't know how to use it. When it comes to your spiritual battles, what weapons are you using? Because when we go through difficult times, what weapons do you use? The Bible gives us some very helpful weapons. But first of all, the Apostle Paul says, 10, he says, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not bodily weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reason and to destroy false arguments. Now, some of the worldly weapons we can use maybe not is our money. Well, I can resolve this problem, you know, I'll just pour a bit of money out or I'll take a loan or something. We can often resort to a lot of materialistic things to solve our problems. Not necessarily, but often people weapons that are not quite us with biblical weapons, which you will obviously know that are our important force when it comes to fighting other. David used the stone of the state, but what are the equivalent weapons that we should use? Well, first of all, we should use prayer. I don't need to tell you this, but in every single church that comes to the prayer meeting. If you get 25% of people will be quiet. I have a I believe that every Christian should have a strong prayer because it is a powerful weapon. And I know maybe sometimes prayer might seem boring, a bit dull, but I want to tell you in this church, we are having exciting prayers. And we can pray down with this because prayer. Last Tuesday night was fantastic. It's just exciting. 30 of us together together to worship God and to back. And we prayed meaningfully, we prayed powerfully. And then at the end of it, we spent 20 minutes praying for us and over Sunday. Not that he would become 007, but that he would be blessed and use greatly of God in leading us in this church. Prayer is powerful. And I know that there are many times when we pray prayers and there aren't immediate answers. It just means that God is sovereign and he knows how he's going to answer that prayer and how the best work out for you. You see, in Ephesians 6 18, Paul talks there about the armor of God. We need to study that before we came out of lockdown and get to live back together. But the, he talks about the, the breastplate of righteousness, each one with the preparation of the gospel peace, the help of salvation, that wonderful armor. But at the end of this time, we all have that armor. In Ephesians 6, 18, Paul says, but be in the spirit at all times. I'm not telling you, make prayer a daily habit in your life. When you are driving to work, pray. Commit your day to the Lord, just say, God, we need you to do that. Cover every situation that you have to do in life. Make prayer a holy habit. So that you don't even have to think about it. It's just naturally part of your life because it's bad. Satan hates it. And when Satan sees a 
a Christian of his or her legs. Because prayer is powerful. The second one that we have to we've had a powerful time in praise and worship. But don't leave your times of praise and God just for 35 minutes or something more. Praising God should be a lifestyle. The Bible says in everything you give thanks. The Bible says, let's give to God our fruit and our debts continually. Praising His name. Praise is powerful. In 2 Chronicles 20, there was a guy called Jehoshaphat, and he faced an enormous army that came against him. He was terrified. It's a big army, and his army was, was no match. He said, oh God, what are we going to do? So he put at the front of his army Judah, the tribe of Judah. Judah means pray. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Praise this powerful. And he went into battle, fear and trembling, but they went to singing and shouting praises to the Lord. I'll tell you what happened the enemy, what did they do? They started killing each other and they ran away. But until you never underestimate the power of Jesus. Whatever you face, praise God, worship Him. Whether it's the hardest thing that you find to do, nevertheless, give Jesus the honor. Speak Jesus One other weapon that you'll know you can do this more than one. Remember when Jesus was being Tested and tempted by the devil for 40 days at the start of his ministry, and he had not eaten, he fasted and prayed, and Satan comes to him and says, Look, if you ask, then turn these stones into bread. Jesus replied, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from And when we look at the temptation of Jesus, he came back to the devil every time he was tortured. I want to tell you, this is about this. It's not a book of history alone, it's a book of Jesus. Because it is empowered and breathed of the life of Jesus. And the word of God is powerful. The Bible says it's sharper than the two edged The Bible says that the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. And whatever state throws at you, you come against him with the scriptures and you will prepare every single time because God's word cannot lie. It is powerful and it is a great weapon to use. Know your weapons and use them to be a man or woman of courage and response. Number four, know God's word. It naturally follows on. You see, David said to the Bible, today the Lord will conquer you. The battle belongs to the Lord. Every battle we face, we don't face it alone, belongs to the Lord. And you need to understand, Lord, we're facing the battle. How are we going to win this? Not how are How are we? Because the battle belongs to the Lord. And David lived over God's truth and promise. He knew the assurance that comes from trusting in the word of God. And it's not that you and I understand the power and the strength that comes by feeding upon the word. Don't put your hands up, but I'll ask you a question. 
Do you daily spend time in the Word? You can watch But we talk about daily devotions. We talk about practices. It's None of us can figure out the day without actually going to without going a day without taking in effective substance. We know that it's essential to our bodies. How much more is God's truth essential to nourishing our spiritual bodies? Not just on Sundays, but every single day of the week. It's a discipline, but if you get into it, what happens? You know how long it takes to form a habit? Roughly 20 minutes. If you do something repetitive for 21 days, it becomes Sunday And as Christians, we need holy habits. We need to build into our lives healthy disciplines. And one of those is to know the word of God. Paul said to Timothy, he said this, for yourself, concentrate on winning God's approval, on being a workman, a workwoman with nothing to be ashamed of, and who knows how to use the word of truth when Janice and I went to the college, one of the very first pictures that we were presented was all around this verse of scripture. Know how to use the word of God. As the King James says, study to show yourself approved of the word of God. A workman or a workwoman who doesn't need to be ashamed. In other words, know how to handle the word of God so that you use it to your We've got a great promise in the scriptures. In Romans 8, Paul says this, I love it. And I'm given hope from the compassion around it. Which some of you know I am not to give up But I like this. He says, Now I live with the confidence that there is nothing in the universe with power to separate us from God's love. I am convinced that his love will triumph over death, over life's troubles. Fallen angels over the dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing in our present or future circumstances that can weaken his love. There is no power above all beneath us, no power that can ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus Christ, the anointed one. Isn't that brilliant? This is who we are. This is the assurance we have. And when you know these truths, you have a weapon to use in every circumstance so that you can be strong and courageous. Oh, so the word of God to you. Know the scriptures. Know your way around the day. Because when you know the word of God, it will make you strong. Just one last thing in terms of weapons. We can be confident of victory. You see, David said, This is the Lord's battle, and He will give you to us. What confidence? And this little boy going against this great giant, before he'd even taken the stone out of his thing, he knew what the outcome was going to be. Why? Because his confidence. 
Martin Luther, that great reformer of 500 years ago, German reformer, he said this Faith is a living, daring confidence in God's grace, so sure and certain that the believer would stake his life on it a thousand years. Do you have that level of confidence? Do you have that kind of confidence in your God, in whatever you face? You see, we can be confident because of what the Bible tells us. It says, in the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence and his children will have refuge. It also says, so we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid of who may be a man to me. Scripture also says, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And then it also says, blessed are those who trust in the Lord, who have made the Lord their hope and confidence. And then also, though an army encamped around me, this I will not fear, the Lord is with me, and I will be confident. You can be confident with God on your side. Somebody once said, one person with God is always in the majority. That's this one, yeah. In our relationship with God, our faith, our journey with Him, if we've got every we will be confident in every circumstance that we can be courageous and strong. So, just to sum up, okay, David was courageous and strong because he knew his God, he used his testimony, he knew his weapons, he knew God's word, and he was confident of the truth. Okay, we're just going to do something on our tables here. This is it. What kinds or situations are you facing at this time over which you need to have courage and strength? Have a little conversation on your table with your children, please. And then just take a moment to pray. Because we want to go away and find the word of God. But just to hear you actually like it. Share with one another. Maybe sometimes we can say you've got a difficult business. You've got something that's a challenge for family. We all face challenges. We've all got difficult situations. I don't need to be a prophet to tell you that you're facing Like heavens. But God is with us. We can be courageous and strong. Because we know how to take a couple of minutes just to talk in two or three about the kind of situation you're facing.